I'm Nicole Antoinette, and this is Real Talk Radio, a podcast filled with honest conversations about everything. Today's episode was a particularly fun one for me to record because it features my partner, Tom, who most of you know by his trail name, Gent. Our conversation is centered around 20 questions that folks submitted on Instagram. Well, we got a lot more than 20 questions, but we tried to pick ones that covered a pretty wide range of topics and also ones that multiple people asked. So everything from how we met, what demonstrating love looks like for us on a daily basis, upcoming adventure and van life plans, our thoughts about monogamy, and so much more. It's a pretty deep dive into our relationship and what makes it work, what's been hard, all of that. And I hope that you enjoy listening. Big thanks to Gent for joining me for this one, and even bigger thanks to my Patreon community, whose monthly financial support makes it possible for me to keep making new episodes, paying all the guests, and writing my weekly essay series on Substack, plus all of the Patreon-only offerings as well, like, oh, there's so much stuff. So we have our end-of-month journaling and reflection circles that happen on the last Sunday of every month. I do a monthly audio series with Julia Hanlon, where we go into the real-time, you know, goals, things we're learning, things that are working, things that are not working, highs, lows, talking about money, work, wellness, all of that. We have our live small group Google Hangouts. Those are really fun. The super transparent behind the scenes business and money report I send out each month for folks who are curious about what it looks like to run a business like this. And there's other things too. Oh, and we just launched Discord for our Patreon community as well. So now there's a fun and much more robust way for the 400 plus people in our community to really talk and get to know each other. So I'm excited to see where that goes. It just started. People are, you know, going in, introducing themselves, finding people hopefully that live in their area. So that is something that we have going over the next couple of months. And if you love this show, I bet you'd really enjoy our community. There's really neat folks in there. We operate on a sliding scale with all tiers getting access to everything, regardless of how much you're able to pay. And you can find us at patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. That's patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. I would so, so, so appreciate the support. And now onto the show. Okay, my love, it's on. It's recording. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Feels good to be on This American Life. Oh my God, stop it. Um, you made a wrong turn. This is not the podcast that you thought that it was. I've got to go. Yeah. I've got somewhere I need to be. <laughs> Shut up. Um, so set the scene for folks. Where are we sitting right now? We are sitting in a PVC cubicle that we draped with moving blankets and one of my preferred fleece blankets for a sound booth. Yeah, you sacrificed your favorite soft fleece blanket yeah. to be the roof of my DIY yeah. sound booth. My softest fleece blanket that is now never touched. I know. I'm sorry. But it looks really nice as the yeah. roof of this. I, we, sh- we should put up a picture of this booth. I think I, I put it in my Instagram stories. Um, but yeah, basically, so you and I are living in Massachusetts in your dad's house right mm-hmm. now. And it is a beautiful old house and very, very echoey. Lots of mm-hmm. wood, lots of mm-hmm. exposed things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we found that it was really not great for recording when I got here. It's pretty crazy that no one up until now has thought about podcast recording in this house. Between <laughs> like 1860 when this house was built to now that no one once has thought about the sound quality in any well, of these rooms. I, I, I appreciate you building me this um recording of course box uh this is my first time recording with someone else in the box in times of covid where i see no one in person that is not you Mm -hmm. your dad or his dog yeah 
Little Gracie Lou. Oh my gosh. Shout out to Gracie Lou. <laughs> Shout out to Gracie. If you're listening right now, Gracie, who's a good girl? <laughs> oh also, God. if you're listening to this, what are you doing? How'd you figure this out? <laughs> oh my God. Am I already regretting inviting you on this? Podcast? Probably. Probably. <laughs> okay. So we are going to talk about a bunch of things. When I mentioned on my Instagram that I was going to have you on the podcast, I opened it up for people to ask questions. People submitted many questions. We are not going to get to all of them. We'll probably get to, I don't know, 20-ish of them. But before we do questions, I would love for you to introduce yourself to all of the listeners. Uh, My name is Tom Grossmith, a.k.a. Gent. A lot of people might know me as, or some people might know me as that. Some people might not know me whatsoever. I am a timber framer and There's definitely folks that have no idea what that means. Um, I build and restore post and beam structures, stuff that was built in like the 1700s and 1800s, and build new barns. Um, that is what I'm currently doing for work. I live in a van sometimes. I hike sometimes and do stuff. Great intro. Thank you. Solid Thank you. business card. I'm definitely going to get noticed today, I feel. Yeah. Um, so our work days are really different. Yes. <laughs> you uh, build and restore old barns yep. and I do this. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Yep. Ah, yes. I the fact that we have such different work lives is actually one of the things that I love about yeah. our relationship. It's incredibly comforting that I don't know, we're not in the same world, so yeah. to speak, so we don't like spiral out about the same yeah. things. Like I go the entire day without being on the internet or anything like that for the most part and then come home and you have spent like most of your day interneting for your work. Mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate that for sure. Is there anything else that you want to say about yourself as we well, get started? Well, I really want to get my message. I have no message. <laughs> right. Or you really want to tell your brand story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I know. I feel like you're one of the only people that I've had on the podcast that like, I mean, obviously you do have an Instagram, but that you don't have a, a link, a thing to link to or a thing to sell. Right. Or... I have nothing to plug. There's nothing I'm trying to push right. or anything like no that. No one's going to buy your book. Yeah. yeah. Well, We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. If you write a book, I will buy your book. Babe. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Great. I want to take you, hold you to that. If you had to write a book, what would it be about? Probably just nonsensical ramblings, really. Um, bad business ideas. Worse jokes. Yeah, you do tell a lot of bad jokes. I mean, that's debatable, but yeah. Well, when I, we will go into this in the questions, but for folks who don't know, we met uh, hiking the PCT, the Pacific Crest Trail, and you had a whole uh, note on your phone, like in the notes app mm-hmm. of your phone, filled with uh, what I will say. I won't call them bad jokes. I'll call them dad jokes, maybe very very cringy jokes. Yeah, I don't even know that dad jokes is necessarily the right term for it they're just like really cheesy not awesome jokes like they get a groan more than a laugh maybe a chuckle but i go for groans more than laughs i feel yeah and our trail family had to limit you to you were allowed to tell one joke per break yeah i've since started using a different notes app and deleted that one by mistake and lost like easily 30 jokes heartbreaking right and lightning only strikes the same place once so like those are gone yeah they are gone so cringy joke. Your your book that you would write would be filled with cringy jokes. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely. A, yeah, that that checks out. 
maybe not cringy so much, but groany. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like everyone listening is going to be like, tell a joke, tell a joke. So maybe, maybe you can think about your most appropriate, but most cringy. Oh, your, your, your finger has gone up. Yes. Okay. Oh God, I'm regretting this already. Go ahead. My most recent idea. Some of them are just ideas. They're not really jokes. They're just like really bad ideas, but funny business names. I think a lot of the time, Danny boys, plumbing service, the pipes, the pipes are calling. Yeah. Yeah, you chuckled. It's, it's yeah, it worked. That one. So someone can start that business for free. You're giving that idea away. Yeah, you can take that. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, let's answer some questions. What do you think? Let's go for it. Take- let's open up the lines. Caller one. <laughs> what do you got for us? Oh um, there's no callers. I'm sorry. Huh? I hate to break this to you. Uh, these were all submitted on Instagram. Okay. I know we're not. This, I don't know what kind of fancy recording studio you think that you built me up here, but there's no live callers. I thought you were a drive time DJ. That's. <laughs> oh my God, can you imagine if this whole time you like fully didn't know what I did? That's what I've been telling people. Uh, sure. I feel like that's almost like what my mom, like my mom doesn't really know yeah. what I do. Like I, I feel like her answer would be Nicole does like stuff on the internet. Yeah. Like Nicole does something on the internet, which I think is a level more than my dad knows what I do. So sure. Drive time DJ. Yeah. Let's go Shock that. jock. So, yeah. That's definitely <laughs> my brand. Um, so the first question here that someone submitted that I picked just because I think it's really funny and I wasn't sure if they were being serious or if they were making fun of you. So I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, the question just says his hair care routine question mark with a fire emoji. So I don't know if someone's saying they actually like your hair or if they think you have like real dirtbag hair, but go ahead and answer. Tell us your hair care routine. I will fill in your blank. They love my hair. Okay. My hair care routine is don't use shampoo. Just don't use shampoo. It's bad for your hair. I mean, that's that's real. You actually don't use yes, shampoo. Yes, I don't. I know, but you say a lot of bullshit, so I'm just no. clarifying that this is real. These people don't know I'm a bullshitter. <laughs> they do not. <laughs> um, so I don't use shampoo. I <laughs> wish I wasn't someone, but... I shower on, like, not a super regular basis, like, every other day or something like that. Lots of hot water is bad for your hair. Most soap is bad for your hair. Yeah, just, like, not a lot of maintenance, to be honest. So don't shower a lot. Don't use shampoo. Live in the woods for part of the year, and you, too, can have this glorious dirtbag hair situation. That is correct. That is correct. Right now, you have the very long COVID hair. It's more of a mane than, than anything. Yeah, I feel like if I were braver, I would give you a haircut, but yeah. that's, uh, I feel like I would really mess it up. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I, I love you too much to, to do that. And I think the person who asked this question probably agrees. They don't want me to mess up your hair. Okay. Thank you. Well, that's your hair care routine. Um, this question is from our friend Kelly, who says, when are you guys coming back to the West Coast? April-ish? April-ish, maybe. So anything we talk about in this conversation that has to do with future plans, I feel like is very up in the air, shrug emoji, TBD, um, COVID, vaccines, question, question, question. Uh, So we don't know, but we are hoping sometime toward the end of April. I have my tiny van named Trixie that I live in for part of the year. Last year, you built out a van that you lived in. We did side-by-side van life during the summer in Bend, and then you sold that van, and now you are building out a new van that you will live in for part of the year in Bend and then sell again. So this, in addition to the timber frame construction, you are also flipping and living in, yeah, building, living in, and then flipping mobile dwellings. Yeah. 
It works pretty well. Yeah, I mean. It helps for my seasonal employment of work for some months, don't work for some months, and then somehow all profitable. Yeah. I'm not getting rich, but I'm not. Not yet. Not until everyone listening wants you to build them a van. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So that's your thing to pitch. At Tom Grossmith on Instagram, slide into those DMs. Oh, my God. Yeah, slide into those DMs. So when are we coming back to the West Coast? Hopefully sometime toward the end of April, although the interesting thing about living in a van during a pandemic is that nothing that you rely on to make life easy and doable during van life is really possible. We found that over the summer when we were in Bend that usually we would be showering at the gym, but either gyms were closed mm-hmm. or their showers were closed. We'd be going to coffee shops and the libraries for Wi-Fi. None of that was really an option. I would usually get a membership at a co-working space, which that also you know, either wasn't open or didn't feel safe. So trying to make it work was very interesting. It was. There was a lot of generosity from our friends of like, Someone has a sink in their garage. We can park in their driveway and, like, go hang out in their garage and wash our dishes or go over to Paul's house and cook in his kitchen every week and batch cook things until we were sick of them. Yeah, I feel like we would not have made it through COVID van life without Paul. Yeah. That was, and Kelly, who asked this question, is, is Paul's partner. And, yeah, being able to – we would go every Tuesday to Paul's house and shower. So we showered once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and did our laundry, mm-hmm. and yeah, we would just show up like, "Hey, your dirty homeless friends are here. Yep. Like, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna use your facilities. <laughs> I'm gonna do my hair care routine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna do your hair care routine exactly. So, we will see. But hopefully, towards the end of April. Yeah. This next question asks, "Will you be doing van life together whenever you go back to living in your van?" Together in the sense of we will both be in the same location, but we will have separate vans Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. it's nice having separate vehicles so we're not like tied together throughout the day of someone has to ride a bicycle somewhere or someone has the dwelling unit kind of thing that we both have vehicles we both have our own space Um, i'm someone who really appreciates my own space and time so i think we do it in a really nice way without like we don't have big sprinter vans so there's not like a two massive vans parked side by side yours is ridiculously small mine's all right all right i mean it isn't it isn't and mine's reasonably sized like it's not huge or anything like that well yours fits a full bed mine has a twin size mattress that was cut down both lengthwise and widthwise and has 20 square feet of living space so i think you are correct in saying that it's really ridiculously tiny yeah 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 we talked about getting one van by, mm-hmm. you know, getting something yeah. maybe the size of a Sprinter or, you know, a large transit, which would have had its benefits. But when we just started talking through the reality of living together in the in one vehicle, that's also the vehicle to get around places. And it's not like we – like I'll be working and you'll probably be working on projects and stuff as Who well. Yeah. But it's not like, oh, we're going to quit our jobs and move into this van and travel around the country. I think maybe potentially then we would – think about sharing a van but just since we're basically using living in vans as a cheaper alternative to paying for housing for the most part that the the thought of trying to do that together and always having to negotiate well i want to go see my friend here or i'm going to go to the grocery store who's going to take the car if you take the car you're also taking the house and that you know that that just seemed it seemed like one step too far yeah yeah so yes we will be in vans Mm -hmm. but side by side van life works for us 
This next question, you mentioned this before, of most people know you as Gent. The question is, what are your trail names? My trail name is Gentleman. I go by Gent just because it's shorter and sounds cool. I got that in 2018 from a guy named Baram. He said I had a like crisp blue button-up shirt. I had a tight haircut. Um, this was before I turned long-term dirt bag, really. And he was like, I think your name should be Gentleman. You look clean cut, but sometimes you say fucked up things. So I think it kind of works. <laughs> and it was Gentleman ever since then. It was like my third day on trail. And I had hiked with them for a little while. And yeah, Gentleman it is. And Gentleman it is. My trail name is Tinkerbell. Tink for short. I was given that trail name in 2016, also on the PCT. That was my first long-distance hike. I hiked the Oregon section of the PCT. That was my very first hike. And as some folks listening will know, I had zero experience going into that. Uh, Something else that's different about you and I is you had quite an outdoorsy upbringing. And that was, you know... Canoeing, fishing, being outside, Just always hiking. outside, yeah. And for me, never outside. And I didn't get into this kind of stuff until I was really in my 30s. And when I went out for that hike, I was terrified of everything. Like I was absolutely convinced that something was going to eat my face in the night. Like I couldn't sleep. I was every sound, you know, was something coming to get me. I was terrified. And I was out there alone. I went out alone. And I brought with me an impulse purchase the last day before I left at REI. They have, you know, bear bells or cougar bells, right? And they usually make big ones that you put to the outside of your pack that when you're walking, it makes noise. And the idea being that it alerts animals, whether it works or not, I don't know. But they also sell tiny ones, which... Ultralight. Right. Ultra, but, I mean, they don't make – they barely make any noise. No, they're like for a cat. Yeah, right. It's basically <laughs> right. like a cat bell. It's for suckers like me who are like, oh, my God, I'm terrified of going into the wilderness. Let me buy this bell. So I bought my little bell. The second day on trail, I was going toward a water source – And the whole trail was blocked by a herd of cattle. And I had never been that close to cows before. This is really funny because your dad has cows. There's cows cows. on this farm. There's cows like 100 yards away right Right, now. Right, right. So again, grew up on the 26th floor of a 35-story building in Manhattan. Did not have cows. No, fifth generation in this property. Right, exactly. Fifth generation cow cow owner. I was going to say cow parent, but (laughs) yeah, that's not – no, not giving birth to any cows. Um, And – there were all these cats. And if I don't know if you have not been around cats, they're huge. They're intimidating. They're really big. Yeah. And just because you assume they're going to be relatively docile, you don't know. They're animals. Yeah. It could change its mind. That thing could stampede over me. And there were so many of them, and they were blocking the trail and they're blocking the water source. Mm-hmm. And I was all alone and I was so afraid. <laughs> so I took my little bell out of my hip belt pocket and I was just ringing the bell, ringing the bell, like trying to dance by them. You know, excuse me, excuse me, can I go? You know, I was just, my heart was pounding. I was terrified. And that night I camped with uh, a bunch of folks who were through hiking the PCT. Yeah. So I was on day two of my very first outdoorsing, basically, Mm -hmm. and these folks had been on trail for 1,700 miles or something, and I was recounting this story to them, and I guess, I don't know the way I told it or the usage of the bell, someone gave me the name of Tinkerbell, so I kept it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Well, thanks, (laughs) because it's the trail name. And I know you as Tink now. We refer to each other as Tink and Gent. Yeah, that's always that's always a question that I get from folks. I think someone did submit that question. Of, so, do yeah. you call each other by your trail names? Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. That is we what do. I know you as. Like right. calling you Nicole feels weird. We we refer to each other by our 
like actual names, sometimes to other people. Like when I'm talking to my, like my mom calls you Tom, right? right? So when I'm talking to her, like, oh, Tom said this, but I don't call you Tom. Yeah. Like that even, it feels weird. It sounds weird. Yeah, I'm looking at your face and calling you Tom makes me uncomfortable. No, I don't care for it. Yeah, Tink and Jen, always. Also, I remember too, Baram said that I looked like a Wall Street type, which is kind of funny because I was like a Zamboni driver before I went on the trail in 2018, which was like a glorified janitor pretty much. Um. For people who don't know what a Zamboni driver is and does. It is a ice resurfacing machine. So between periods at hockey games and stuff like that, the big thing that goes out and makes the ice shiny again, I used to drive that. So not a Wall Street type. Not not a Wall Street type. Mm-mm, mm-mm. So the other part of this question was, how and where did you meet on trail? Paint us a picture. It was a bright morning. July 6th. On Hopkins Pass. Um, I had camped at Hopkins Lake and was climbing up Hopkins Pass, heading back towards Hart Pass after tagging the border, heading southbound on the PCT. You want to explain the how we were going in opposite directions? So to southbound the Pacific Crest Trail, you get dropped off at Hart's Pass, which is the closest road access. You hike 30 miles north to the Canadian border, touch it. And then essentially start your southbound hike. So Yeah, because you can't enter the U.S. from Canada that way. Like it's an illegal border crossing, yeah. right? So, yeah. Um, so I had started a day before you and had tagged the border the day before you had and then was heading back south doing my southbound hike. I was coming up Hopkins Pass, eating a granola bar, hiking up a bunch of snow when I see this person coming towards me. And it happened to be you and you go, oh, was the snow bad? And I was like, oh, it's no big deal. I slid down it on my butt. And we had a quick conversation as you do with like hikers. Everyone's very excited, eager to make friends, that kind of stuff. And we both gone our merry way and we met again in Stahik and now tell your side of the story. Okay. So I have between 2016 when I started long distance hiking in 2018, I definitely acquired more hiking experience. I did the Arizona Trail, but I had no snow hiking experience at all, other than a couple of times of snowshoeing on like flat, fresh snow. So I was really nervous the year that we, um, well, we didn't do the whole PCT, but the year that we met on the PCT, uh, it was what, like a 200% higher than average snow year in Washington. There was quite a bit of snow still in July. And I was really nervous about it. And I was out there alone. And so every time, you know, there would be a new pass to go over and I knew there was going to be snow. I was trying if people were coming the other way just to get some information about it. And so we meet, you're very, you know, nonchalant about the whole thing. Oh, the snow's totally fine. It's whatever. I'm on my way to the border. Picture Wall Street type yeah. telling uh, you this. Yeah, a Wall Street type. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, you were 25 years old at the time, right? So I'm eight years older than you for people listening. So here's this like younger guy, right? With his short hair, clean cut, whatever. Oh, the snow's totally fine. I get there. The snow is not fine, or at least not for my... Because it's that I've realized afterwards that's kind of a useless question to ask because it's all dependent on people's experience, right? It's when another hiker tells you it's going to take you 20 minutes to get there. It's like, just tell me how many miles it is because 20 minutes is different forever, like how long it takes you to hike. Exactly. Exactly. And so I got up there. I was terrified. The snow was not fine. I did not slide down it on my butt. It took me so long. And the whole time I'm like, fuck this guy. Like, I'm not going to see him again, you know, whatever. Um, and then our paths crossed in Stahican, which yeah. is the first like trail town resupply. Yep. And we will move on in a second. But do you want to tell a little bit of our second – paint the picture of when we met for the second time um, so at the ranger station? <laughs> at the ranger station. You can't behind the ranger station because it's a 
tiny little like resort town pretty much that you can only get to by boat or by hiking in. There is a hotel, but it's like really expensive. So you can't behind the ranger station. I had set up my tent. Me and a guy I was hiking with were like the first ones there for the day and we set up and we were like near the showers or something and you came up and you were like, is that your green tent up there? I set up inside yours pretty much. I was like, okay, like we'll see about that. Because there wasn't that much space. No, it's a pretty small spot. It had filled up and the only empty spots were on the tent pad that you were on. Yeah. And in order to get my tent to fit, I had to put like one of my tent stakes, like it was right up against your tent basically. I was like, well, sorry, I guess I'm going to be neighbors with this guy. Yeah. And it was pretty much inside my tent. It could not have been any closer. Yeah. Um, So had a small interaction that day. And then the next morning, we were charging things on the front porch of the ranger station and started talking. And I started going over like some family stuff that I had been dealing with and had a tearful interaction, tearful on my side. I'm very much a crier. But and then, um, yeah, I left that morning. I believe you left that afternoon or midday. And then we met again in a town called Skykomish. Yeah, and we wound up becoming part of the same yeah. trail family. But yeah, this person that I had just met who gave me bad snow intel is now sobbing heavily about family things. And I'm like, what is, what's happening here? What is this yep. person? And here we are. Yeah. So, and now I'm living in your dad's house. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Um, so this question comes from Pete, a.k.a. King, who was also in our trail family that year. And he asks, are you guys still doing weird butt stuff? Yes. <laughs> I think we need to provide some, let me provide some context here with this question. So weird butt stuff. One of the things that happened to me in Washington on that hike that had never happened in my previous hikes is I got really bad butt chafe, which I had heard about from other hikers. And I always felt really smug that for some reason I had not gotten butt chafe. I've had butt chafe so bad. I almost started a wildfire. There was so much friction. It's terrible. It was so, so painful. And we, at that point, um, a small group of us had become a trail family and we were hiking together and I was in so much pain. And then you provide the solution. I carry a tube of Agisil with me. It's a really good anti-chafing agent. And yeah, I don't know the science on that. I don't know why it works. Neither do I, but shout out to science. That was the first night that we all camped together as a trail family. Yeah. And you just handed me this tube of Vagisil. Yeah. And you were like, trust me, this works. Put it on and, your butt. Yeah, put it on your butt. So I went in my tent and like <laughs> zipped up the doors, closed <laughs> the little like privacy thing, took off the bottoms. Everyone's just like sitting around the tent talking basically. And I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm just going to put this dude's Vagisil on my butt chafe. We're all sitting like 10 feet away from you messing with your butt. And- yeah, yeah. And then... um that became a topic of conversation, and here we are. Yeah. Again, here we are. Yes, yep. so thanks, King, for that. Uh, someone wants to know, just want to hear about planned adventures for 2021. So we are thinking of doing the Colorado Trail. Pretty much every plan that we have right now is... Tentative. Like, yeah, it's all with an asterisk of as long as things feel safe. Right. Are we vaccinated? What's happening, you know, around the country with COVID? Yeah. Yeah, so we're thinking of doing the Colorado Trail with a friend. We have a couple other hikes that... We are thinking of just like interchanging. We have like three other trails that we're thinking of doing, but not all three. We'll pick one or two and do them. Um, some shorter hikes in the Northwest, maybe the Wonderland Trail if we can get permits, probably the Timberline Trail because we're close to the area when we're out West. Yeah, that's kind of it for now, but it's again all 
just up in the air because who knows with anything right now. Yeah. It's we like to talk about things that could potentially yeah. happen. I feel like we're we're in that place right now of Wanting to have things to look forward to, so talking cautiously, optimistically about things, but still holding it with a loose grasp yeah. of not getting so attached to it uh, that we're going to be devastated if it doesn't happen. Because, I mean, that's what happened in 2020. We were going to hike right. the Colorado Trail and some other stuff last year and, you know, obviously decided not to do that. Yeah, um, yeah so we will see. Yeah. But there's – I'm planning – I scheduled my work – plan to hopefully take a three-month adventure sabbatical that's what i'm calling it uh august september and october off like set aside for hiking hopefully so there will there will be as soon as there can be adventures we are ready yeah (laughs) we have our adventure fund from last year that we did not spend that we do that we are um luckily did not have to use yeah so yeah how did being partners on trail prepare you for being partners in life so back to the butt stuff story. It's like it's very easy to put up a front a little bit with a new partner of, you know, you don't want to poop at someone's house yet. You know, it's a little too new. You don't want them to know that you make these bad smells. Or <laughs> I like that this is where you're going. I don't know. It's That's just – Yeah. Tell, tell the people about your bad smells. Yeah. I, I, they don't want to know about my bad smells. <laughs> That's um, true. You all don't want to know about the bad smells. To – not be fully human around someone yet like it takes a while to get totally comfortable with people and being on trail you're very human i don't think there's a lot of people that you would tell hey my butt's chafing really badly like right. you can had you met me, a lot can you of give us. me something to put on right. right or or even we're hiking together oh i have to poop i'm gonna go dig a hole in the woods over there you can either keep going and i'll catch up with you or you can wait for me like the amount of times yeah. that we waited for each other to go dig a hole and poop in it like that forms a solid yeah. friendship like that changes your relationship yeah, and like you're gross like you don't always feel comfortable with how disgusting you are yourself and there are these other people that are around you and love you for who you are how you smell how you look how dirty you are all of these things and it's just really easy to to just accept someone for totally who they are yeah i i, I think so i think so too that's a good that's a really good point i also think in terms of you know how did essentially meeting on trail and forming a relationship on trail translate to off trail. There's so many ups and downs emotionally on a long distance hike. At least, you know, we can only speak to our own experience, but you can be having the best day. And then two hours later, the worst day and the mood cycling can be really quick and you can experience some really extreme moods. You know, if you're really fatigued or you're running out of food or something, you know, you have a scary fall or there, it's just a, a, can be like a pressure cooker emotional climate and being able to show the other person that it's really hard to hide it, right? It's yeah, really hard to, pre- the same definitely. way that you can't pretend that you are not sweaty and disgusting and smell bad. Right. But also, it's really hard to, all your emotions are really close to the surface. Right. And you spend so much time with someone that, hey, you've been a little bit quiet. What's going on? Right. You get like, to read each other because yeah. you're together so much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. It's so. a really, weird thing but like you can read the back of someone's head really easily after walking behind them like for days on end yeah 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 the the one last thing i'll say on this question i feel like talking all day i mean and this is also unique to some of the hiking we've done together is we have spent all day every day together for portions of hikes and talking all day you wind up covering a lot of topics some Mm -hmm. of them really serious some of them like really random funny Mm -hmm. bullshit and i think that that for us developed 
an incredibly solid foundation of yeah. off-trail communication because our entire like friendship initially was built off of let's just talk all day. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. This question is from our friend Muffy. Muffy. I Ma- love Muffy. I, you do love Muffy very much. Muffy gets a lot of my bad business ideas or really funny jokes Muffy is my sounding board a yeah. lot of the times. I'm like, ooh, I need to text Muffy that. Well, usually what happens is you tell me I don't react appropriate. Like, I don't appreciate it enough or I don't yeah. react appropriately. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I'm going to text Muffy. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. Muffy will appreciate me. Yeah. And that is accurate. That's so exactly that how is it accurate. goes. Thank you, Muffy. Yeah. Uh, Muffy says, Excuse me. Can you all talk about what love means to you? Like what daily acts do both of you do to demonstrate love? Obviously, the relationship functions well, and it's because you're hearing one another's love even when you're far away. This is a sweet question. It is a sweet question from a sweet person. Yes. Um, maybe we can switch off. You share one. Uh, what do we do to demonstrate love to each other on the regular? It's like I bring you tea every morning before I go to work. You bring me tea in bed before you go to work at 6.30 every morning. Yeah. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's the little things. of I'm making coffee anyway. I'm making breakfast and lunch and stuff like that to take with me to work. And you're still in bed. I have the hot water. I'll bring you tea. I love you. I love to do it. I want to see you before I go to work. So I might as well come up and be with you for like some minutes. One of your love languages is definitely acts of service. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have most of the love languages, I would say. Yeah, all of them. (laughs) Much love. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so that's one. I'd say something that we really reciprocally do is express gratitude to each other really often for relatively mundane things, but sincere gratitude, like thank you for emptying the dishwasher or, you know, thank you for doing my laundry or making the bed or right. These types of things that gratitude, regular gratitude is part of our, like baked into our relationship. Yeah. Knowing that things aren't just taken for granted. Yeah. Which, which is important. I mean, and we talk about that a lot, you know, really trying not to take each other for granted. Um, What else do you think? I would say, being able to just like ask for the things that I need in the moment of like, I need a hug or I'm a big fan of, I call them midsection hugs. When I sit down and you stand up and I hug your midsection, wrap my arms around like your waist and stuff. I ask for those like all the time. You do. Um, I'm a very physical person and I feel as though I need that a lot more than you do. Yeah, I agree with that. I have gotten a lot more touchy and a lot more cuddly in this relationship. Yeah. Like because of you. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, just like voicing my wants and needs to not necessarily feel loved, but to like feel the love between us. Yeah. And I think, again, this goes back to communication. We have done a lot of talking about, I mean, not specifically the love languages, you know, template or whatever, but the way that you... What makes you feel loved is often different than what makes me feel loved. Mm -hmm. And so remembering that if I want you to feel loved, then I need to meet you where you're at and do the things that make you feel loved. Yeah. And that's not always the things that I would want. But I think we're both conscious of this is, you know, you need the midsection hug more than I need the midsection hug. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, I would say that. I also would say the, the last thing I'd say on this is I, my desire or standards for cleanliness and like tidiness of spaces is higher than yours and yet I think that you appreciate you know I'll go into your room because I work from home and you don't I'll make your bed sometimes during the day and I know that you have expressed delight at coming home and the space is cleaner than you left it well I don't understand the way that I am a lot of the times like 
it's nice to come into your room and the bed's made, but for some reason, I just get up. I don't don't make my bed. It's because you're busy making and, me tea. Exactly. But also, it's not a you're making my bed in a I have to friggin' do this for this guy oh, no, kind of thing. It's like a you're you know that I'll appreciate it. But also, one of the things you mentioned before that we like to have separate vans, and this will come up later. Uh, someone asked a question about this. We also have separate bedrooms. Yeah. Like you can do whatever you want in your bedroom. I right. feel no responsibility right. to make Just your bed. Like shut the door if it bothers you. And frequently I do. <laughs> <laughs> like this is his dumb problem. I'm not going to deal with this. Uh, yeah. Yes. Anything else you want to say on that? Um, expressing love throughout the day, even when we're not together, like it feels good to get a thinking about you text or just, which is a brand of text. And because most, uh, a majority of our relationship was long distance. Yeah. You know, either we were together all day, every day on trail, or I was in Oregon and you were in Massachusetts. Right. So this is our first time being to actually actively together yeah. and not on trail. Right. And so we always used to send each other multiple times during the day, just like thinking about you or like thinking about you with a little like smiley face or like kissy emoji. And that was always it's nice to yeah, feel like someone's thinking good. about you. And we yeah. still do that. Yeah, we yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, this question. Yeah, I appreciate this one says, how do you show up for each other even when you're having your own hard days and struggles? It's been difficult recently. Um, you know, my mental health hasn't been really that great. Same. And yeah. We have it's gotten, not an uncommon thing right now. A yeah. lot of people are having a hard time. I was talking about this with, uh, with our friend Julia recently that we have lucked out in the last, what, almost two years of being together that just coincidentally we have tended not to have poor mental health times yeah. at the same time. It's yeah. so like you're having a hard time and I'm not. Yeah. So it's much easier to, oh, I have a higher capacity, step in, yeah. do the, and vice versa that you have done that for me. And the last, I'd say, two months, we have both had plenty of days where we're kind of in the hole at the same time, yeah. which has been tough. And. A lot of the times I'll be in like smaller funks in like a couple of days or something like that and I'll bounce back. But this one has kind of been a bit of a longer rut and unfortunately I'm familiar with depression and like have had really long bouts of it and, you know, I'm fortunate to have a partner who understands that and is there for me. But realizing when someone has less capacity than you currently do of I'll take the charge on dinner or – Go upstairs and read. How, do you need alone time? Do you need a snack? What do you need? What can I do for you? And just realizing that, you know, someone might be lower than you right now. So kind of cowboy up a little bit and and help out. And not to say that one person's always doing for the other or anything like that. It goes back and forth for sure. Yeah, I think something that we've really normalized in our communication is frequent check-ins about capacity and not even necessarily during times of depression. Maybe it's just I had a really exhausting work yeah. day or you had a really exhausting work day. I think we've gotten relatively comfortable saying, I really don't have the capacity to do this. Or would, like you said, would you, how do you feel about taking the lead on dinner yeah. or, you know, being clear about asking for what you need? Yeah. I think is, I'm just reflecting on this. I, I, what I'm about to say, I didn't realize it until we were having this conversation. You and I have both struggled in our, in past relationships, in past on our own of feeling like too much, Yeah, you know, like we're too much for someone, that fear of not wanting to be a burden. Mm -hmm. And that often translates into not asking to get your needs met, or at least it has for me. Yeah. And I feel like we've talked about that enough that we've arrived at this, not to say it's always easy, but this like relatively sweet place of being yeah. able to, with emotional neutrality and not really feeling like a burden, saying, I don't have the capacity right. for this. Can you help? Can't do this right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, think, I think that. And then the other thing that I would 
add that we haven't talked about about this is I don't think there's an expectation that we're going to fix each other. No. Like there's no not. expectation that I'm I'm having a hard time like sure I can ask for help with things but I don't expect you to fix it. Right. And that I think helps because it lowers the stakes. Yeah, definitely. And a lot of the times I do kind of realize why I'm in like feeling the way that I am feeling, whether it's work, whether it's family stuff, whether it's home life, any of those things that it's not just a mysterious funk for the most part. And even though I know the reasons I feel that way, it's not easy to get out of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So this question, do you have differing values, goals, or interests? If so, how do you manage those differences? I think I think that we are aligned on a lot of things mm-hmm. and that that's not an accident. You know, no. we mentioned like the way that we met was basically through nonstop talking for many, right. many days. And that, you know, as our relationship was transitioning like from a friendship to more of a romantic partnership, we talked a lot about what do we want from this partnership, right? Yeah. Or what is the point? Not what is the point of partnership, because that will be different for different folks, but what is the point of partnership for us? Yeah. And one of the things that came up really strongly for me, just as like a self-reflection during the period of getting divorced, right, and all of that is thinking, realizing that what I want, or at least what feels important to me right now, is a romantic and sexual partner and an adventure partner. Yeah. And it's great to have other things in common, but the things that I want the most to essentially share with to share with you yeah. are being on the same page about like romantically how yeah. does that manifest in our relationship, like sexual compatibility and then the prioritization of adventures. Mm-hmm. And I think that we were really clear on what we do need to have in common and what we don't need to have in common. Yeah, for sure. And that that's my that doesn't like really answer this question because of course there are things that we differ on and yeah. maybe you know you can talk about that a little bit but I think that it was a clarity of it's cool if we're not aligned in these ways as long as we are in these ways right there's no thing that it's like well we don't agree on that so we don't talk about it or anything like that there are some things that like maybe we don't see so eye to eye on but we can have respectful conversations about things and I would say for the most part like our ideals do align pretty well. Yeah, I think that the biggest difference is some of our interests. Yeah, I would I agree with that. You know, I like to go fishing. I like to I have several old motorcycles to your dismay. Like I have an old truck that I restored and I have very physical hands-on hobbies that you have zero interest in and that's totally cool. And it's nice to have my own thing and not constantly have shared activities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially because, you know, talking about long distance hiking and traveling and adventuring, that type of stuff, when when that is a thing that we're doing, it's really pretty full on. Yeah. And we're together all of almost all of the time or at least, you know, a lot of the time. And so one of the things that we have found that we've had to work on in our relationship is prioritizing alone time more. Yeah. Like you and I both, I mean, I think everyone needs it. We both really need it. Yeah. But I think that our tolerance for not getting it is pretty high. That We don't realize it's been too long without alone time until it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. It's, I haven't had alone time in some time. Gee, I'm in a really f- kind of foul mood and don't really like anyone right now. What's that about? Oh, gee, I haven't had like a second of alone time 
in a month. And one of the things that we bumped up against, particularly last year when we were living in the vans in Bend or other times when you would come to Bend, Mm -hmm. is you would essentially quit a job or finish a project and come out to be with me and not be working. And I would still be working. So you would get plenty of alone time while I was working, but I was either working or we were together. And so that, I feel like in the last maybe like six or seven months has been something that we've really intentionally worked on yeah. of let's let's carve out the alone time before we reach the it, it shouldn't be something that happens as a last resort in a breaking point right yeah 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 definitely. and I, I mean I, I honestly I feel like we've done better yeah I agree with that in the last yeah few months that. about that the other thing that I will say about this sort of how do we handle you know managing those differences of not having certain things in common one of the things that I I know is a value of mine, and obviously you can speak to what the role is of this for you, is I don't, how do I want to say this? Our partnership is not the pinnacle of relational connections. I don't believe that your partner, your romantic partner, your spouse, that they are, you know, the top of the pyramid or the top of the hierarchy and everyone else in your life comes like below that, that's I don't believe that that's true. You know, my relationship with you is as mm-hmm. important to me as my relationship with Paul is mm-hmm. as important to me as my relationship with my mom and with my best friend, right? Yep. And so that being true helps because I have things that we don't have in common that I would like to share with someone else. Yeah. I share with someone else. Right. So there's no, like we don't have, there's I think some pressure on the mainstream romantic partnership story that, you know, they complete you. They, right. you know, they're your person that meets all your needs. That to me is just yeah. so much pressure and it's so wildly unrealistic. Yeah. There, like, there's no way you're going to meet all of my needs. Right. There's no way I'm going to meet all of your right. needs. Cool. Let's not expect that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else on that? I don't think so. All right. This is a sort of related question. Um, asks, advice on how to grow together as partners while growing as individuals. Respecting other people's time and space, it's okay to have separate interests and invest yourself into things that maybe your partner isn't totally into or totally aligned with. And yeah, like it's totally okay to do your own thing a little bit. And yeah, I kind of don't know. I think, yeah, I mean, I, in general, I kind of try to, I try my best to stay away from giving advice. I'm not always great at that, but because what works for us might not work for someone else. I think for me, in response to this question, growth for me requires knowing what I want to grow into or what it is that I'm working on. So if we're, you know, a lot of things we've already talked about is ways that we have intentionally tried to grow together. Mm -hmm. And then growing as individuals is just, I would like to, you know, be more proficient in this or, you know, unpack this psychologically and we talk about the things that we care about individually and that we're each working on whether Mm -hmm. it's you know a skill or an activity of yours or something I'm working on you know with my business coach or therapist or something like that there's we keep each other sort of informed but we respect each other's individual process you know like you don't you are allowed to be a private autonomous person you don't owe me all of your everything that goes on in your head is not it's not my business right yeah. Even though I do tell you most of what goes on in my head. Yeah. 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 Yes, you love yes, that. Yes, you, you do. You love you that. You really do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, my, my real favorite is when you recap books that you're reading for oh, me. It's the best. But you, you start in the middle of, you know, we've never talked about the book and you're like, okay, so Robert goes into the bank or whatever. And I'm like, I don't. I did that with Cersei and it drove you nuts. I loved Cersei by Madeline Miller. That's 
I believe, who wrote it. I don't know. I haven't read it. But Anyway, great book. Highly recommend it. I gave her the, like, chapter-by-chapter synopsis. She hated it. And I feel bad because I feel like you would genuinely like that book, and I ruined it for you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I love you anyway. I love you. (laughs) Uh, What are some of your favorite things about the other person? Yeah, say nice things to me. You're so organized. Like, my life is chaos. (laughs) And, (laughs) like... But you have a budget now? Oh, my God. I have a budget. I update it sometimes. Yeah. It's crazy. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I've never had a budget up until now, my 27th and 28th year. I've always been like, this seems like enough money to have, and I'm doing okay. Um, yeah. I have a budget now, which is pretty wild. But yeah, I really like how organized you are. You're very much a planner, whereas I'm a... It'll, it'll be fine. Yeah, it's yeah. all going to work out and it'll be totally cool, which in fairness, it's always worked out for me in that way. Throw caution to the wind. Recommend sure. that. A factor of luck and many, many privileges. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like I come from a really big place of privilege. Like we have free housing now because we live with my dad who is mortgage free because he's the fifth generation living here. Yeah. And it's all. Many, much generational wealth. Anyway, yeah. yes. Yes. Um, continue. And. Yeah, just like a lot of the planning that you do that I would never, ever do, it pretty much always benefits me. I really do like that about you. I like the cleanliness that you bring, even though I'm not someone who would do it myself. Clean spaces feel nice. It's funny, all the things you are mentioning, the flip side of those things Mm -hmm. are a lot of the things that I like about you, meaning I like that you are more chill. Yeah. I like that you don't take things as seriously, which doesn't mean you can't be serious. But I feel like a lot of the the ways in which we – it's funny. We we definitely have things in common, but personality-wise, I think we're We're incredibly different. different. But I think we reach – we bring each other closer to a middle that's more sustainable for Mm -hmm. both of us, that I'm a lot more playful because of you. Like you just have a really lovely – almost silliness and like a light touch to things that I don't. I tend to be quite a serious person. I like to call it a sense of whimsy. Yeah, exactly. You have a sense of whimsy. Well, a similar question that we got from our friend Julia says, oh, yeah, you have your hand up like you want to say something. Childlike sense of wonder. Childlike sense of wonder. Yes, you. Julia says, how would you describe the other person in three words? I feel like these questions are really hard. Yeah, I'm panicking a little bit right okay. now, I'll be honest. Would you, would you like to pass on this one? Uh, you go first, and then maybe I'll pass. Okay, keeping in mind that this is hard, and you are more than just these three words. And okay. very easily insulted. And Okay, very easily insulted. Um, three words. I would say loving. Oh. Um, fun or playful. Mm-hmm. Sexy? Mm. Something something along those lines. Okay. You are. You have a very sexy energy. I right? accept it. <laughs> sexy as hell. Those are three yeah. words. How about Boom. that? Does that good. make you feel good? I accept. That's cool. me. Do you, do you want to go? You're welcome to pass. It's too much pressure for you? It's a lot of pressure. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. Um, I would say you are meticulous in pretty much everything that you do. Like, I mean, I don't know that we're allowed to argue, but I'm going to. I feel like I'm very... Like light switch. Either I care a million or I care zero. Like I don't have a lot of like I'm meticulous about the things that I really care about and then things that I don't care about, I don't care at all. That's true. Um I've seen a lot of the spreadsheets that you make. 
I've seen the budget that you have for your business and like how crazy in depth it is, which like it makes sense. You run your own business. You should probably do those things. Um, I didn't have a budget until I was 27 years old and you like almost threw up so the, when so I the, told you that. The, the, no, I respect it how you want to run your life. The, so the word that you're using to describe me is budget. <laughs> yes. Meticulous budget. Also sexy. <laughs> I, I like that sounds very begrudging. No. <laughs> yeah, sexy. No. Sexy as hell. All right. All right. We're not. We're like, keep it down. Get over um, here. Yeah. Tape it down. Um, <laughs> this question. How did you know that you wanted to go from friends to more? Um, there are certain ways that you miss someone or like you think about someone and, you know, I have friends that I'll think about during any random day and the thought comes, the thought goes and like, I would think about you and couldn't stop thinking about you and Mm -hmm. I had to reach out and there are ways that you miss someone that is like really deep and like you feel it. In your soul, kind of, not to be like too cheesy or whatever, but no, I'm here for it. Um, yeah, it's yeah, like I, f- I felt it pretty deep inside that you were someone that I wanted to spend a lot of time with and, and be involved with in a really deep way. I feel like this is a hard question to answer because I mean, maybe if there's someone who's listening who's had a different experience, I don't know. I know I just used the light switch metaphor before. I don't know that it's really a light switch thing of like, I think about someone this way and then, oh, all of a sudden I think about them this other way. I think it's usually relatively gradual, right? That sort Mm -hmm. of build. But I do remember that there was a point, and this is going to sound dramatic, which potentially it is, but it's also honest, where I felt like if we didn't give this type of relationship a shot, that it could be like one of the regrets of my life. Which, as I say that, I know sounds intense, but I just, I felt like there was a lot of potential here for us both to feel really appreciated and loved and Mm -hmm. fulfilled and, like, to have the sexual relationship that we wanted. And, yeah, I just had this feeling that if I don't try and see what's possible, keeping in mind that, like, you never know what's going to happen. Right. Like, hey, this could be a disaster. Yeah, but know. if we don't try, it will always be in the back of my mind, that sort of what-if question. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the rest of my life, my career choices, a lot of things have been built around, I don't want this to be a deathbed regret. Yeah. And that's how I felt about you. Yeah. I love you. I love you, too. Like, it was weird getting off the PCT in 2018 together when it was like, you grow close with someone and you right. live in Oregon. I live in Massachusetts. And it's like, are we ever going to see each other again? Right. It's like, yeah. it doesn't matter how often you talk on the phone. Like I could see you once a year or something and that would be kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, future trails that you want to do either separately as individuals or as a team. Tell, tell me one thing that you would like to do as a solo adventure. Um, so I have been, very interested in bike packing as of late. Um, I would love to try the Great Divide mountain biking route, go big or go home. So you say you're interested in bike packing. To clarify, you have never actually gone bike packing. I, correct. I've never done it, but I have a gravel bike, like a decent touring bike. I don't have any of the stuff to tour with yet, but. Um, but you know how to buy stuff. Yeah, I know how to buy stuff. I you know got, how to ride and a now bike. You have a budget, so. Yeah, exactly. 
and bike stuff is in that budget. It is. You see, you're welcome. Right. There's a system. I'm sorry. As much as I feel like you're dragging me a little bit about this budget, which is totally- Oh, it works. It's totally fine. I will never forget whatever this was a couple months ago when you wanted to buy a bike-related thing and you were like, yeah, I don't know if the money- And then you looked at the budget and you're like, oh, I already have the money set aside for this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Mm, Mm -hmm. mic drop, you're welcome. I bought that set of tires. Yeah, you did. Yeah, Yeah, you did. Big time. So that's your solo adventure. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I have a particular one that I want to do, but it is important to me for as much as we love adventuring and long distance hiking together, I would like to do another solo hike. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think that that would be fun. I'm also fascinated by paddling the Mississippi River. Um, Our friends Carrie and Travis did it, and I feel like an annoying little kid every time I'm with them because I feel like I ask about it all the time. But yeah, like long-term canoe travel I feel is really cool and really interesting and I don't know how that would be for you well I've Um, been in a canoe once mm -hmm. it was last July your canoe up in Maine Mm -hmm. we were in it for like an hour and a half Mm -hmm. I had to keep taking breaks because the paddle was heavy and my arms were really Mm -hmm. sore so I think potentially something between taking breaks a few times in one hour to paddling the Mississippi there's gotta I I should probably learn how to canoe (laughs) I disagree with that let's go okay well you're gonna be doing a lot of paddling that's my love go with the flow of the river cool done um as far as things that we want to do together everything else (laughs) yeah pretty much we i wish that people listening had even a percentage of an idea of how much bullshit we talk about adventures that we are either way outside of our skill level or that we have no business doing or that we don't have the money to do or that we don't have the time to do. Like we watch so many trail documentaries Mm -hmm. and stuff on YouTube that we, you know, we'll pause it. Oh, we could do this. We could do that. Yeah. We talk so much game about things that we could never. Huge. Yeah. Not never, but do you, do you want to talk about TCYTC? I was just going to ask you that. Um, so we have a fake podcast called TCYTC Talking Calendar Year Triple Crown. Um, the calendar year Triple Crown is hiking the Pacific Crest Trail, the Continental Divide Trail, and the Appalachian Trail all in one calendar year. Like under twelve people or something have done it. It's it's what it's like almost eight thousand miles of hiking. Yeah, you know, and you're doing a lot of that in the winter, the snow, like it's Way a it is a ideal. wild, wild thing. You have to average what like thirty miles a day or yeah. something crazy that. I think we have hiked 30 miles or more a day, maybe six times. And hated it. Hated it every time. Um, Like I said, I'm terrified of the snow. Yeah. And many, many other things. Like nothing in either, you know, we quit the PCT after 1,600 miles. Right. Nothing, I mean, that was like other extenuating circumstances, but nothing in either of our histories says that we can complete one of these trails, yet alone all three, yet alone all three in the same year. And yet we talk about, I mean, this is probably our number one hobby is like we go on day hikes and we, okay. So yeah. at this trail or this thing, we talk, and we talk about it so much that we have, we joke that we have a fake podcast called TCYTC that nobody would ever want to listen to except us. Oh, it's all, just nonsense. It's ramblings. It's nonsense. Yeah. So our, our big dream is to hike the calendar year triple mm-hmm. crown and it will never happen. No, it probably won't. But we like talking about it. We love talking about it. It's so fun. Yeah. Because it's an unsolvable puzzle. Right. Like you can do it in so many different ways. You can fail in so many different ways, succeed in so many different ways. Yeah. It's just we thought we had a plan at one point that how we could do it without hitting too much snow and then we're like we're stupid what are we thinking yeah, we looked and then at the we plan again and we're like this thing. is terrible yeah the last thing that i will say about this my interest in the talking about really wild adventures and a lot of my interest in 
taking on challenges, adventures, like new hobbies. I like the idea of doing something that I didn't think that I could do. Like mm. that's how getting sober was for me. That's how, you know, when I started running, you know, I could barely run two consecutive minutes at a time. And the thought of being able to run a half marathon was like sprouting wings and flying to the moon. It was, there was, there's something that I love about this seems impossible. Let me try. Yeah. And that's how long distance hiking was. Mm -hmm. You know, in 2016, I had gone car camping once for one night and backpacking once for two nights as test trips all in the month before I left alone for that long hike. And so it seemed there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. And yeah. I'm really, what I like is not necessarily doing the things that feel impossible, but I like the person that you have to become to even be able mm -hmm. to give it a shot. Mm -hmm. And so one of our favorite segments on TCYTC is what would have to be true, true for, for you? you? And then like fill in the blank, right? Like what would have to be true for you in order to even feel like you had any business starting, mm -hmm. like attempting the adventure? And so it's like, well, I would have had to have done, you know, a shorter trail averaging 30 miles a day. Mm -hmm. I would have to, you know, we have this whole list. And so yeah. I like, it's less about completing the thing than it is about... I like the idea of becoming like a stronger, tougher, more resilient, more skilled yeah. version of myself. Definitely. Is that I, a long TCYDC tangent? I mean, not nearly as long as some of the tangents we go on privately. Yeah, so that's true. That's true. you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> that's true. A couple more questions here and then we will wrap up. Uh, this question is thoughts on monogamy slash non-monogamy. Um. Broad question. Yeah, it's no, pretty. I, as it relates to our relationship. <laughs> My thoughts on it, thumbs up yeah. to both of them. Yeah. Um, we have discussed monogamy and non-monogamy. And at the moment, we're choosing to be monogamous. Um, relationships work differently for different people. And at some point, we may choose to be non-monogamous. But it's a conversation we continue to have and check in with each other on it and make sure that we still align with that and that going into a relationship knowing that it is potentially something that is on the table i feel is a easier pill to swallow isn't the right word because i don't know why but it just doesn't it, feel it's right it's a totally right. valid choice exactly. Right? exactly yeah but to some people, if you had a partner who was like, I want to be non-monogamous, that's a really hard pill to swallow. And for other people, it's a, okay, let's have the conversation, figure out how this is going to work for us. Yeah. Um, this is something that I thought about a lot, you know, bef before you and I were in a mm -hmm. relationship and thinking that non-monogamy was something that I wanted to explore for many different reasons. And, you know, I've talked about that on this podcast before. And what I realized isn't that being non-monogamous is a need or an identity for me, you know, and, and it mm -hmm. is for some folks, and I totally respect that. It was more that I was uncomfortable with monogamy as the unspoken default mm -hmm. or the preferential option or the only, quote, right way to do a relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, that all felt really constricting to me. Yeah. And the idea of... I'm going to commit to being with this person for however long or forever or – and they're going to be the only person that I'm ever attracted to or the only yeah. person that I'm ever going to have, you know, romantic or sexual feelings for in my life has proven again and again to not be true. Yeah. And what I wanted and what I think that we built – because, I mean, we talked about this before we were partners. Like yeah. This is something that we've right. talked about. Yeah. It's And I think that has also helped. It's been on the table the whole time. Exactly, yeah. Um, which is just, I guess, coincidental. Like, we got and lucky. It's easier to have these conversations when, like, there's no emotional attachment because talking about non-monogamy – We talk a lot of it, like, theoretically. Exactly. The, yeah, exactly, when exactly. Talking about being non-monogamous 
with someone that you're not in a relationship with is much different than having that conversation with a partner. So, I mean, we talked about it a lot and just kind of like sussed out each each other's feelings, beliefs, like just talking it through Mm -hmm. the way you would with a friend, which was helpful for me in clarifying some of my own thoughts and feelings. And what I realized, again, was that I, I want it in our relationship to be acknowledged that being attracted to multiple people is completely normal. Totally. And that I want there to be a safe space in our relationship to talk about that not if it happens but when it happens because if and for me like I don't see a situation where I am in a relationship with someone for years and years and years and years and this doesn't come up for one of us I just think the likelihood is that it is and so it's something that how often would you say that we check in about this uh, like maybe every couple months yeah, or something like that. Yeah, every couple months of, yeah. is this feeling good to you? Yeah. You know, do you still want to practice monogamy together? Mm-hmm. And the, the feeling of it feeling like a choice, which no one ever forced me into monogamy, but it was just never a conversation before. Right. The fact that we are continuing to opt into this mm-hmm. model and that we're both very aware of the fact that at some point that might yeah. change, yeah. that feels very satisfying to yeah. me. And also along those lines of like, we're not on a like relationship trajectory of, you know, we've been together for X amount of years or months or whatever that like, why hasn't anyone proposed? Why haven't they done this? Why haven't they done that? Of like, I'm happy with you now. And that's, what's important to me. It doesn't have to lead to marriage. It doesn't have to lead to there being the courts involved with our relationship or anything like that. I mean, and that's again, something we've talked about all the time that I, I'm not a, opposed to getting married again, but I'm not seeking it out. It doesn't represent the pinnacle of anything for me. And we're not on like a relationship escalator where certain benchmark, you know, now this is going to be happening and then we're exclusive and then we're going to live together. And then this, you know, so that for me, and since neither of us want children, Mm -hmm. I don't know, there's just, there's no pressure really. I'm not concerned of whether you are my forever partner or not, because forever is essentially just today today tomorrow like Mm -hmm. it's like a bunch of today's stacked together that turn into forever Mm -hmm. and that's more i don't know like i'm I'm okay with that and i want to give our relationship the space to evolve and grow and iterate into whatever Mm -hmm. it's meant to and to try to not put anything unnecessarily confining on it definitely yeah yeah you know you saying that almost reminds me of like people who have been in the 12-step program of like I'm not going to drink today Mm. and like, I'm going to be with you today. Yeah. And that's, what's important to me is I'm going to be with you today. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I do think that we project a little bit and stuff of like, I would like to be together with you for much longer than today, but we check in with each other and make sure that we're still happy with things. And just because we're together now doesn't mean that we are always going to be together in this iteration forever. Exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, and obviously you having been my friend and now my partner through me uncoupling with someone who, as we said at the top of this conversation, like we showered at his house every single week during the summer. Like he's my family. We're incredibly close friends, right? right? Like I value that so much. So it's like I have firsthand experience of a relationship changing and that still being like really beautiful. And it gives me more... I don't want to say hope, but it makes me see a wider range of possibilities that I wouldn't have seen before. Like Mm -hmm. the narrative that I was sort of raised with is like, this person is your ex. You know, you don't talk to them. You cut them out of your life. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that is absolutely the right decision, you know. But uh, yeah, I think choosing for us to not operate 
according to any sort of rules necessarily yeah. uh, is, is useful. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Um, four more questions. You feel like you have four more questions? I do feel In that. you? Um, how do you communicate about desire, libido, so sex question, things that you enjoy or not, about changes in sexuality at different times or with life being different, like with COVID, for example? Um, right now, it's been kind of hard for us. We live with my dad. Right. So, right. So, so, yeah, spoiler alert, if you're looking to have a really, like, raging sex life, moving in with a partner's parent during a pandemic when those are the only people that you see and nobody ever leaves the house. Yeah. Real sexy right. environment. These walls are thin. Right. <laughs> right. Like, you know, hey, in the, we have the recording booth. Right. Is this soundproof enough? Right. Maybe. <laughs> Um, yeah, so circumstantially, it's, it's funny, considering that having our sexual relationship be a huge part of our relationship, both living in a van and yeah. being, like, living in a van, showering only once a week, mm-hmm. spending very little time indoors, like, that had its own challenges, because yeah. the other part of this question that this person asked is, what was a fun sex thing in 2020? And mm-hmm. I guess, like... Figuring out how to have sex in a van that feels I mean, I can think of some fun stuff, but... I mean, okay, we're not going to, like, go into detail, but um, that's a different kind of podcast, (laughs) darling. Uh, That's, like, TCYTC, the, like, dirty edition. After Dark. (laughs) TCYTC After Dark. Oh, my God, please. Look Um, out for the mountain lions. Yeah. Yeah, that's... I don't know what sexual things... Neither do I. Neither do I. This has gone in a direction I think maybe you don't want to go. Cut. Edit. Yeah, edit, edit. (laughs) Abort, abort. Um, But... Yeah, that wasn't very conducive to having. No, it wasn't. Uh, I remember the day that we got the hotel room for a couple of nights just because it was too hot yeah. during the summer. And we were like, oh, my God, like sex indoors, right? Yeah, like that right. was That was great. And then um, then we moved in with your dad. So yeah. um, that wasn't, I mean, the question was how we talk about it. I feel, I wish I had something useful to say to this mm-hmm. because I know that this is a question that a lot of folks had. It's a question that I have had in like a lot of past relationships. I think so far we've set the groundwork or like made it clear we just talk a lot, and that's yeah. – I think it comes easily to us to talk about pretty much everything, mm-hmm. sex especially, because yeah. it's such a foundational yeah. part of our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, the one more, I guess, like tangible, practical thing about how how talking about sex works in our relationship is we have normalized, t- like, it not being a big deal to talk about it. Yeah. So it's not like – oh, we have to sit down and have this serious thing or I'm afraid to bring something up. Like, we talk about it, This like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, do you want me to make you coffee? Oh, can we try this thing? Right? right. Like, that it's, it's a, it's a yeah. really normalized thing. And a way that we have put it is sex is a hobby. Like, it's right, a, Yeah, talk about this. I, I love this idea. So sex is a hobby, TM, I coined it. It's a thing that we're interested in together. It's a thing that we think about a lot. We spend not a ton of time doing it, but we spend time doing it. So we might as well invest in it and even if it's not like a financial investment like we're not into toys or anything like that but it's invest the time invest yourself in it and like have the conversations and yeah when you first talked to me about the the sex as a hobby thing i really latched onto that idea because it made me think about when i was first getting into running that like that was a huge hobby for me i cared about it a lot it was my hobby so what does that mean okay it means that i'm gonna prioritize time for Mm -hmm. it in my schedule if i have an early run in the morning i'm gonna make sure i go to bed at a certain time i'm this is playing it out a little far but like gonna eat a light meal right exactly (laughs) right like paying attention to what i'm eating or um you know investing money in a coach right but and so that's a little not extreme necessarily but that doesn't really apply right but 
it not, is not. right not right exactly like oh i want to learn new things yeah. oh i want to get better at mm-hmm. this oh i want to w- like consume well done content yeah. about this right. right whether that's erotica or mm-hmm. you know other various things that that idea of thinking about sex as a hobby the same way that i would with any other hobby right and the fact that that's a hobby that we share yeah that i think that perspective yeah. helps us a lot mm-hmm. yeah yes okay um so this question i think is really interesting how do you feel like a couple when not sharing a bedroom or a van together? It's we do everything else together. Or like maybe not everything else. I go to work, you stay home and work, but like the way I talk to you, the way I look at you, the way we do things together, we meal prep together, we go to the grocery store, like just because I have my own space and you have your own space doesn't make things any different really like once you go to sleep the other you don't know the other person's there next to you until they wake you up or something yeah Yeah. like it's i mean i think this question itself could be an interesting conversation of why like i think there's some assumptions in the question even Mm -hmm. that why does sharing a bedroom the thing that makes you a couple right right and like i get i obviously i was just gonna say i get where the question's coming from but of course i i don't because i have no context on the question but i i think that there is a like cultural narrative of you know oh they're they're sleeping in separate bedrooms they're having problems right right? there's like something around that that i would really like to push back on or question because what if you know i'm traditionally not a great sleeper i sleep so much better in my own Mm -hmm. bed you know you snore sometimes i'm a hot sleeper you're sticky and you want basically no blankets i want my electric blanket on like max and like no cold air coming Mm -hmm. in all night like we just have what makes us each comfortable in the night is so different that why would we force ourselves and i'm not like there are plenty of people that sleep great in a bed together and that's part of their intimacy and they really love Mm -hmm. that there's nothing wrong with that either but then why would there be anything wrong with wanting something different right you know and i think a especially for people like us who, like we said, sometimes we really have to push ourselves to take alone time. Mm-hmm. Having that, I go into my bedroom yeah. or I go into my van at the end of the night and I shut the door and it's my mm-hmm. space. That feels really good. Yeah, I love that. Right. I, I wish it was, and I guess it can be, we just talk about it more. I wish this was a thing that more people talked about. And I will tell you, as I have started to talk about it more, mm-hmm. so many people have said similar things. Well, it is the kind of thing if you've always been told, this is what has to be. This is how relationships work. You share a bed, you share a bedroom. Like you have your sink next to their sink in the master bath or whatever. And it doesn't have to be that way. Like our relationship works great. And also a relationship of any kind can be whatever you want it to be. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I appreciate that this question was asked because I think that it's an interesting one. Um, How do you intentionally nurture your relationship when it's long distance? You want to share a couple things and I'll share a couple things? Um, We spoke about a little bit earlier of, sending the thinking about you texts and putting time aside in my day every day of I'm going to talk to you on the phone. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm not going to talk to you while I'm working on my hobbies or while I'm actively paying attention to something else. Like I'm going to give you my focus 100%. We would often go on walks or, you know, and talk Mm -hmm. to each other that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say prioritizing phone time, texting throughout the day, like you said. Sending something spicy every once in a while. Yeah. Nudes, Mm -hmm. right? Definitely nudes. Mm -hmm. Also, when we were long distance last spring, um, we signed up for uh, like the paid subscription for that app Dipsy, which Mm -hmm. I highly recommend Mm -hmm. to anyone. It's like Mm -hmm. audio erotica. And, you know, one of us would pick, hey, let's listen to this one, to, you know, and then we each listen to the mm-hmm. story and, um, yeah, yeah, sexy Skype time, sexy Zoom time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 
it wasn't always easy. Like, I definitely missed you a lot, but I don't know. We we make it work. We've made it work. Yeah. Yeah. Made it work. And also along those lines where we've talked about doing independent adventures in the future, that we are well-versed in long-distance relationships. And it's not something that I'm worried about, like, oh, my God, you're going to be away from me for a month and a half or two months or whatever. Like, I'll definitely miss you if that happens, but we'll both be okay. Yeah. And that's important to me that our relationship is not conditional on proximity. Yeah. That I want us to be able to exist in many different iterations, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's like you're on a long bike packing trip or we're living together in your dad's house yeah. or we're on a hike together or I'm going to travel with a friend for a month. Right. Or like I, I would if, – if our relationship only works under a very tight set of parameters, what work. happens when those parameters change? Right. And that feels limiting to mm-hmm. me. And you and I are both some are both people who like the idea of living our life in different chapters. Yeah. Like, okay, in this chapter we're gonna do this. And right. then in this chapter we're gonna, you know, yeah. change completely well, and do this other thing. The same way that you were never into outdoors things and now you're into backpacking and living in a van. Like there needs to be room for evolution in a relationship. And I feel like being long distance gave us the tools to deal with that stuff in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I totally agree. Last question. Uh-oh. What weird parts of your personality only come out around each other? I have a alter ego, sort of. A So, okay. So you mentioned that gent or gentleman is your trail name. Yeah. You have a trail alter ego, which yep. is also sort of your alter ego. Yeah. Continue. Um, so I got... <laughs> I got ringworm while hiking the PCT. And to be I fair, had you've it. had ringworm multiple times since we've been together. I'm a gross person, no. sort of. No, hey. you can have ringworm and not be gross. Exactly. Um, I'm mean to myself sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had ringworm for like a month on the PCT, and I went to see a doctor, and he was like, just wash your shirt in a creek, and it'll be fine. I was like, that doesn't seem that's, like good medical advice. <laughs> that's um, how you cure a fungus. Right. And then he went back to being a janitor, but I don't know how any of that works. <laughs> so uh, we bounced some prescription, like, from trail town to trail town that I couldn't get for various reasons. And then I would, like, I am kind of a trash bag in some ways. Like, yeah, I say some... You say some really questionable things. Yeah. No, okay. Let me... You're. I feel like you're going to paint I'm painting this. myself into a corner a little yeah, bit, I feel. Yeah, you painting yourself into a corner. So... Your tendency to say ridiculous nonsense as part of your sense of humor, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. can sometimes, and the two of us together, I would say, like, the weird parts of our personality are, like, we say a lot of, like, very trashy things together. Or things where it's, like, that's a very crude, you (laughs) know, whatever. It's mostly crude things. Right, exactly. We're not saying off-color things that would, like, directly insult someone or, like... But just either like really gross or really crude. Right, and like we, we pile we, things on. We can big egg time. each other on. Right, yeah. exactly. Like we can go from zero to sixty like really yeah. fast with this. Right. And so we created this alter ego for you named Ringworm. Yeah. Because the ringworm took over. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. This is what happened. I think that the conversation was what happens if this never gets cured, right? Yeah. Like if the prescription keeps bouncing and the ringworm yeah. keeps growing and the ringworm takes over. I am the ringworm. You are the ringworm. And so ringworm became sort of the code word for when you would say something that was like, that's okay. a little too much. I'd yeah. be like, okay, ringworm, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's how, hey, shut it down. But then I remember the day on trail that we built ringworm like a whole backstory. Yeah, that was pretty know? fun. Um, he played lacrosse. 
probably went to an Ivy League college. Had the actual notches in his bedpost. But he went as a legacy. Like, right. he shouldn't have gotten in right. because his dad went and donated money. Right. He and, got and he in. says things like, do you know who my father is? Yeah, right. right. Yeah, that's right. And no yeah. one knows who his dad is. Right. He pops his collar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, anyway. he's a real piece anyway. of work, this guy. So um, the weird parts of your personality that mostly come out around each other is your ringwormness. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. I don't know that we... <laughs> I think we just made that sound worse than it is. But Probably. Um... Weird parts of my personality that only come out around you. I think I'm really weird with you sometimes. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I'm relatively serious and, like, sort of buttoned up. Mm -hmm. Or maybe because I've done, you know, live my life online public things for such a long time. Like, the real, real letting loose or the real, like, vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Or I don't cry a lot in front of other people, but I feel very comfortable crying with you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know if those are weird parts necessarily, but they're things that tend to only... Yeah. come out around you and yeah. that like also the really playful and like I said more cuddly aspects yeah yeah mm-hmm. so I'm really cuddly and playful you're yeah. a trash bag yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but your hair looks but somehow great. we manage yeah, we manage we manage that's all the questions my love that is all the questions anything else you think that you would like to add to this conversation I don't think so just Irish goodbye just yeah out the- yeah just end it check out my kickstarter right. it's I don't I don't have anything you have nothing no um, what's your instagram uh at tom grossmith there's pictures of the cows it out. yeah that we live with barns Grace- that I've been barns, building restoring uh, the, the there will soon be pictures of the van you're building yep. mm-hmm. yeah awesome yeah. thanks for coming on the podcast babe thanks for having me I've loved it And that's our show for today. Our music is by Adam Day, who also handles our sound editing. Thanks, Adam. You're the best. And huge thanks as well to every single member of our Patreon community for making this honest conversation, this entire podcast, and so much of my other work, like my twice-weekly personal essay newsletter called Good Question, possible. Your monthly funding allows me to keep creating resources and gatherings for folks who crave honest conversations, both with themselves and others. And I fully believe that these conversations can change our lives, our relationships, and our world. To join us, just come on over to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. Our community operates on a shame-free sliding scale, so you can feel good about supporting this work from within your own means. So I'll see you over in the Patreon community, yeah? And until next time, I want you to know three things. First, that you are enough. Second, that you are not alone. And third, that I'm totally rooting for you. And that's our show for today. Our music is by Adam Day, who also handles our sound editing. Thanks, Adam. You're the best. And huge thanks as well to every single member of our Patreon community for making this honest conversation, this entire podcast, and so much of my other work, like my twice-weekly personal essay newsletter called Good Question, Possible. Your monthly funding allows me to keep creating resources and gatherings for folks who crave honest conversations, both with themselves and others. And I fully believe that these conversations can change our lives, our relationships, and our world. To join us, just come on over to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. Our community operates on a shame-free sliding scale, so you can feel good about supporting this work from within your own means. So I'll see you over in the Patreon community, yeah? And until next time, I want you to know three things. First, that you are enough. Second, that you are not alone. 
And third, that I'm totally rooting for you. 